with group signatures, it is possible for something to be signed, but not knowing who signed it. Satoshi Nakamoto. Welcome to another exciting episode of What is Your Bitcoin Story, the podcast where we delve into the diverse experiences and insights of key players in the ever-evolving world of Bitcoin. I'm your host, Gigi, and on this episode, we have Rami Gerhonen joining us. Rami is not just a seasoned executive management professional, he's a visionary leader with a profound background in strategy, sales, financing, and international business development. Currently at the helm at, as the managing director of OVAN, a company at the forefront of providing digital services in the Middle East. Rami has navigated the complex landscape of digital economy with finesse. Beyond his impressive professional journey, <clears throat> Rami's educational background is equally noteworthy. Armed with a master's degree in sociology, he brings a unique perspective to the table. But that's not all. His studies in economics, statistics, social psychology, and political science adds a layer of depth to his understanding of the broader socioeconomic implications of emerging technologies. Join us as we unravel Rami's Bitcoin story, exploring how his extensive experience converges with the exciting and dynamic realm of Bitcoin. We'll uncover insights into his views of the future of digital finance, the impact of Bitcoin on international business, and perhaps even touch upon the sociological aspects of this revolutionary technology. So, so fasten your headphones for an engaging conversation. It's time for Rami to take us on a journey down his rabbit hole. Rami, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I guess let's take it right to the beginning of, of your journey with Bitcoin. So can you share a little bit on, on your initial encounters with Bitcoin and how it sparked your interest in the cryptography space? Yes. So I have been a um, kind of accidental tech entrepreneur since the late 90s. So when I was graduating from, from university as Master of Social Sciences, I got a phone call from my, my friends who said that mobile phones are going to be a big thing and people will do other things than just send SMS messages and call each other with them. So they, they, we founded a company called Small Planet, and that was one of the very early, early, early generation mobile entertainment companies launched in around 2099. And we had clients around the world, uh, mobile operators mainly, uh, Southeast Asia, Middle East, uh, South America, uh, investors in the US. So I kind of got into the international tech business very early on in my in my career and and so in a way i was kind of primed into kind of uh, uh finding new things in the future as well then uh after a couple of turn, turns of events i ended up in the us in the early early 2010 so 2011 to 2013 i was living in the states working on a music technology startup called play my song like a mobile jukebox application and during that time uh i completely missed Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> even though I was basically living like a few blocks away from all when all the early meetups were happening because I was living in Soma, Soma, San Francisco. But uh, anyways, uh, uh, you know, I heard like occasional thing about, you know, Silk Road and, and Wiki, Wiki, WikiLeaks and, and mainly in the mainstream media, it was like portrayed in not so positive light. So in a way, I kind of ignored it up until... Uh, my other company then called Eva, which was a app and, and web, web service uh, development studio that we founded in 2009. Then 2016, we basically uh, acquired a small software studio called Mobila in Finland. And after that, we realized that they had built a Bitcoin broker service in 2013 
And then uh, uh, wow. when they were working with us, they had already kind of sold it, but but the expertise was still with them, and they they kind of the belief into the future of this was still with them. So then uh, for a year, I kind of talk with them and I saw them coding every time Bitcoin price started in one corner of the screen. <laughs> and finally, when, when Bitcoin hit that crazy 2017 high, 20,000, I was like, okay, there's, there's something happening here. And then when it dropped to $15,000, I bought just a little bit, some, some, some sats and then kind of started, that started my journey of, of kind of uh, learning about it because now I had, you know, a little bit of skin in the game. Then I went mm-hmm. to the usual, usual, uh, root of, of uh, thinking that Bitcoin is the most important and, and the most solid and has the kind of a strongest chance of succeeding. But the blockchain could be interesting for other use cases as well. Uh, <laughs> obviously, being a tech, ent- tech entrepreneur, that was an ad- exactly, I think many of us had to have <laughs> the same journey. So I had the same, same route and I was kind of investigating uh, how blockchain can be used in like real estate and all that kind of stuff for a couple of years. Uh, over time, I, I started to listen to more and more podcasts, read more books, and then, you know, naturally, I started to gravitate to those more like hardcore Bitcoin podcast, podcasts like uh, TFTC and, and 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 the ones with really like big big signal and and like mm-hmm. less interested in those te- technical an- analysis, like what what is the ne- next altcoin type of podcast. And finally, I think the final nail in the coffin was literally like one week before the pandemic started. I was in Egypt for a holiday and just reading the Bitcoin standard and fin- finishing that book. And then after that, I was like, okay, now I really understand why Bitcoin is so different from everything else. I don't have time as an entrepreneur, you know, also a busy life, you know, I don't have time to, to spend time uh, on anything else anymore. So I just started focusing on learning more about Bitcoin. And luckily, I had always just invested like 90 something percent always on Bitcoin. So like I didn't have to do any big changes in my investment strategy but but then uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was like a liberating feeling to realize that bitcoin is completely different from everything else and since then i've been mainly focused on that or actually fully focused personally our company oivan has been doing some 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 things like hyperledger based b2b cases for mobile operators and stuff like that but personally i'm i'm uh, like bitcoin maxi you might say Amazing. Well, you, you sound like the perfect guest, but I guess I'm, I'm I'm still waiting for the guest to come on the show who's going to say, you know what, I, I, I uncovered Bitcoin and I didn't look at anything else. So I guess we all s- s- share a similar <laughs> kind of journey on, oh, wow, you know, these uh, these altcoins and this, you know, blockchain use cases, as you said, the real estate and accounting and DeFi, MeFi, and especially the ICO craze. I'm sure you remember that. Everybody was dropping their own token, promising the world and, and delivering less than nothing. Uh, but I guess just that I guess that that's the way the cycles go, right? As 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 human nature, we're kind of always, you know, looking for what's the next big thing. And but then thankfully, um, like in your case, my case and, and other guests, we kind of come to the realization that, that Bitcoin is is definitely not an altcoin and, and it's the truly self sovereign decentralized asset which we control, right? There's no foundation, no president, no nothing. Um, so yeah, so I guess it's interesting with you, with, with your background being a serial entrepreneur and kind of starting your your your, your journey back in 99 with, with Small Planet and all the other, so to say, um, IT tech stuff that, that you've done over the years. It's also interesting how kind of music played played the role in it. And maybe I'll, I'll ask you a more artistic question. 
how has Bitcoin influenced your your musical journey in, in essentially as, as your hobby? Oh, that's a great question. So I was like a skateboard kid back in the back in the nineties in 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 uh, a suburb of Helsinki, Finland, and uh, back in the day, you know, uh, the only way to get exposed into cool cool music. Uh, that was like pre-internet kids, uh, was uh, uh, some VHS tapes that somebody got from somewhere and, and watching like those skateboard movies and such good good music there. We get so excited about it. Uh, and then uh, we actually uh, ended up seeing the Ramones play in, in Helsinki, Finland. And then me and my buddies were like uh, having a pretty ambitious like a school band that played like all complicated songs. And I was a keyboard player there and stuff. But then me and my friend guitarist only decided that, okay, uh, we're just gonna focus on on punk rock from now, <laughs> like rather simple music and just full energy and let's go. And and then we started a band called Fumble and we released our first seven inch in '92. And uh, we had pretty good run for a couple of years. Uh, played with U.S. bands coming to Finland. We were the support for them. Played in festivals and stuff and got a, like early taste of that kind of rock and roll lifestyle then. Uh, but. Then the band kind of disbanded. We went to study in different country, uh, cities and uh, and uh, all that kind of stuff. So we had o- almost a 10-year break with that band. And then finally in uh, uh, 2002, 2003, we started to kind of put the band back together. And uh, yeah, 2006, we released the, the next EP and 2017, a new uh, an album. And we toured a lot. We were in Spain and Europe and played in Germany, wow. played in Netherlands and all like lots of fun. That was the MySpace time. So, you know, like getting getting shows and getting fans through MySpace. It was, it was a fun, fun, fun time. It was like a good way of seeing how digital technology suddenly made it possible for, for like these do-it-yourself bands who didn't have any record label or some manager helping them, we could do a lot by just using digital tools. So it was like a good example there. And then finally, when when uh, uh, I was working at my second company, Iva, uh, actually the bass player of, of Fumble, uh, his friend had had the idea for this music, music jukebox, like a mobile jukebox application where you could walk into a bar or a restaurant or a fitness center, and then you could see what, what music is available on the playlist of the place, and then you could just free freely pick a song to be played there and then it would be queued up and then you could hear your own song like basically you could like let's say have eye of the tiger as you're like you know walk into a bar song like you could like okay it's gonna play in five minutes and when the doors open like you walk into the bar with eye of the tiger playing behind you like it was kind of fun app and and we got some success with it we had some at best maybe 100 plus places in the world using it in professionally but then we found even more success with like home use. So Spotify used to have this app store inside Spotify desktop, and we were one of the most popular apps there. So a lot of people used it a lot in home, like uh, house parties and stuff. It was fun time, but we never were able to really find that kind of a business model for it. And 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 then Spotify uh, canceled their app store, so we lost a lot of users there. So back in the day, then we decided, okay, this will not have like a big future. So we came back to Finland from the US and start working on other things. So then I worked for many years as a business development consultant for other music startups. Uh, music Kickup was doing distribution platform for indie artists to get to Spotify, uh, iTunes, and so on. Then uh, uh, Musopia was my longest kind of gig. So they built really cool apps for learning to play guitar. And I worked with them, I think, from 2014 to 2020, so almost six years. So that was a really, really fun ride. Learn how to kind of build build 
apps and uh, market apps and create partnerships and stuff like that it was a super valuable part of my journey. But then back in the day, 2017, our business uh, with, with Eva started to grow really fast because we found some clients in the Middle East. And then that business grew into so big that we decided to go uh, merge with a partner company of ours called NXME. And then 2020, we founded Oivan with a new brand and much bigger company with two companies together. And then I decided that I'll just focus on one company at a time. I can't have like several, <laughs> several like a work, like double job anymore at this time. Company grew to like over 100 people and so on. So, so since wow. then, I've been uh, just focusing on, on business-wise on growing Oivan. And then as the business started to grow in the Middle East, I started to do these, these long business trips, like two weeks, three weeks. And then in the weekends, I didn't have a lot to do. There's not like a huge nightlife culture or anything like that there. So I was just playing guitar. Uh, I couldn't just watch Netflix like for 10 hours on a Saturday. <laughs> so I, I started to play songs. And some of the songs ended up for Fumble, which is still on, like my generic punk rock band, not, not Bitcoin related. But then I was also thinking that, okay, I have this kind of skill of writing these simple punk songs that I've been doing for 20 years or so. And I have this huge interest in this Bitcoin culture and like the freedom, like uh, enable, enabling features it has. So I was like, why can I try if I can make a couple of songs that would like in a subtle way have the Bitcoin culture in those songs, not, not be doing like Bitcoin, Bitcoin is great, but more like talking about the subjects about freedom and like the threat to freedom and these kind of things. And then like put little nuggets of like Bitcoin nice. memes and, and knowledge inside the songs. And then... I wrote about 10 songs. I didn't know what to do with them. Then finally, in 2021, it was the Christmas break in Finland. Uh, we were booked a trip with uh, with, with uh, uh, our family to, to Estonia. Then I got sick. The family went there, and I was like, well, I wasn't actually that sick in the end. And then I just went to a band practice place and opened my laptop and started recording those songs. So finally, in 2022, I had uh, the courage to start like, releasing those songs like simple youtube videos like putting a GoPro on top of a trash can on a balcony and just like 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 singing it in front of it and then put it to youtube so super low-key and finally uh like a year well yeah beginning of this year somebody noticed it a little bit and then i everything kind of started to snowball from there like getting to play in different events around the world and stuff so it's been a fun journey amazing well it, it, it's interesting as 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 we kind of delve further in the in in in, in the bitcoin um sphere that there, there's more and more musicians who are not musicians by day job but they're kind of their passions are coming out apart from you i'm, I'm i know of so simon mao he's also a guitarist um and also knut uh, swanholm he he's also kind of they actually have their own band together um so it's interesting to kind of see these these bitcoiners get together and kind of share their love for this digital revolution through songs, which I think is, is super impactful. I think it's amazing. And uh, I was also so, so happy to play in, um, in Baltic Honey Badger and they had the Satoshi Rokamoto party. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. Mike allowed me to play my own music in the beginning to kind of warm things up. And then during one, one of my songs, Knut actually came and played, played the drums uh, by surprise in the song. So that was, Amazing. That was really great, great col little collaboration there. But yeah, I mean, I love being part of the Bitcoin music community. There's like rappers, DJs, singer-songwriters, you know, performance artists, all kinds of 
really talented people coming from different angles and and just making music about the Bitcoin freedom culture and we're helping each other like pumping each other up it's just wonderful like it's it's a nice 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 little subculture inside Bitcoin culture this kind of Bitcoin music music culture for for sure i mean and and i think there <clears throat> there's there's more need for kind of more artistic touch to the bitcoin community may that be music may that be traditional art may that be performance because kind of as you said like charts are not that interesting and and if we really want to kind of orange pill the world then it's much easier through orange pilling people through things that they love such as music art and and, and other crafts um so so yeah definitely it's it's it's, it's a beautiful thing that's evolving and, and kind of an aspect just to touch upon, since we're talking about the music industry and you mentioned record labels and kind of going independent. Well, in the current day and time, it's kind of the, the first time ever in the history of music that as an artist, you could actually go independent and kind of promote yourself online with, with the power of Internet. And then kind of the, the, the monetization aspect of, you know, you know, getting people to support you by, by doing Bitcoin payments, may that be on chain or layer two, such as lightning. Um, it's incredible. It really opens up the journey to kind of to full freedom of you pushing kind of your ship forwards. Now, at the same time, as as amazing and as euphoric as that sounds, people may not be kind of, you know, driven by doing all of that themselves. So kind of, you know, record labels, they still do all the promotions, do all the kind of management. But at the same time, it still gives the freedom of kind of the future artists if they want to go full call it hand solo and do everything themselves and manage their own kind of musical career it's all possible now so it's incredible how how this code that satoshi nakamoto encrypted some 14 years ago enables people to really true uh, live a free life not just financially free but but actually career free right to to do what they really love and and not depend from other people which, which is a beautiful thing i couldn't agree more like it's it's all about this kind of a sovereignty in digital age you know bitcoin is the best tool we have for for kind of a um have economic uh, uh sovereignty uh, in our lives yeah. Uh, but yeah i mean the the kind of emergence of these really cool services like wave lake mm -hmm. it's a wonderful place for for putting your music in and wonderful community supporting the, the music music uh bitcoin minded music but it's also a platform that anybody can use it, it you don't have to be a bitcoiner to use it which is the great thing you know we can create so, these services that are as good good on their own uh bitcoiners will use them because they they love to support the bitcoin kind of mission but if it's good enough people will just use it anyways and then that's the best way for them to kind of get orange spill when they are kind of later on realize that i actually used something that was like created by bitcoiners uh, i think uh, uh that's one of the reasons why i make my music you know in a way that on the surface if you don't listen too hard it could be like any kind of punk song uh that you'd hear but then when you start listening more then those kind of bitcoin related little snack-sized nuggets start coming out and uh i think it's it's really wonderful also great services like gazer fund that allow uh people and, and artists and, and creative people to crowdfund their their projects uh, directly with the, with the kind of uh, fans uh, by using yeah. uh, uh, Lightning and, and Lightning Pen. It's just really great stuff. And we're so early. We're, I mean, we're just in the beginning. We are. Also, so funny was that because the, 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 the company, the startup that I had in 2012, 2013, play my song, when I was playing at Halloween event, Halloween Bitcoin event in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, in October, at the party they had a lightning-based 
uh, like mobile jukebox application. So it was very similar oh, wow. to what we were building as a startup like 10 years ago. Now somebody had just built as like a little hack using Lightning Network and stuff like that. So it was so great to see. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So, so, so Rami, let's let's now switch spectrums to fr- from the musical world to to the business world and 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 kind of your, your latest business baby that that Oivan, which as you've mentioned, and congratulations on all, all the success, how it's grown to to a very significant company. Um, and and maybe my next question would be essentially as as being the managing director of Oivan, how has Bitcoin influenced or integrated into the digital services provided? Um, in the Middle East, specifically where where you are based. Yeah, that that's a great great question. So um, let's say from from the market perspective, there are big differences in different uh, uh, countries in the Middle East. So let's say U- UAE, uh, where we have one office, is uh, more kind of a, uh, has has more kind of a uh, support for for Bitcoin and. In Saudi Arabia, where we have another bigger office, uh, where I'm based nowadays, they are still kind of on the sidelines officially. So officially, they don't really allow mm. anybody to launch Bitcoin services there yet. Obviously, it will change one point. It has to change at some point. We don't know when, but, you know, I'd say in the next five years, there will be an announcement that it's going to be okay. Uh, so so th- in that sense, we are not doing a lot of like public stuff around Bitcoin in that market yet. Uh, we do have a white-label product that we built uh, a year ago called Hatch. And it's just a software platform that if anybody would like to launch a simple Bitcoin DCA, dollar cost averaging type of service, where you send fiat somewhere and then you make automatic purchases of Bitcoin and then send it to your own wallet. Like the simplest use case you can imagine. We had some time in, nice. in between projects, so, so we built like a white-level platform. So we're not going to launch it as our own service. But if there's anybody who would start up that would like to launch this kind of service somewhere that doesn't have the resources to build everything from scratch, we have very flexible kind of a uh, like way of, of, of using what we already built. Or if there's some bigger company, let's say some neobank or, or somebody who just wants to add Bitcoin buying into their existing fintech service, then we have a great platform mm-hmm. that you know saves you a probably a year of, of development time is built by the same people who were building Bitcoin services already 10 years ago. So there's a lot of, lot of experience behind it. Gotcha. Yeah. And, 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 and we're excited j- j- to j- see, see. Yeah, please. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. I, I don't want to stop your, yeah, yeah. your train yeah, yeah. of thought. Yeah. 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 We're just excited to see, see where the digital asset ecosystem is, is going to go in the in the especially Bitcoin ecosystem is going to go in, in the Middle East. And one thing that personally I view as uh, something we'd use as a company when it becomes available is something similar to what Strike is doing now in uh, in the remittances business uh, from from uh, uh, let's say uh, somebody sending uh, money from the U.S. to Philippines or money from U.S. to to El Salvador and using Lightning Network as like the kind of medium medium of exchange in between in these fiat fiat to fiat payments. I mean, if this would be usable for companies such as ours in inter- international scale uh, in, in all the markets that, that we operate in, that would be a huge, huge deal for us. Because right now we, are, we have offices in Finland, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Vietnam, and Thailand, and seven offices in five countries, sending money all the time from one place to another, always through banks. 
you know, mm. it takes a lot of lot of time and 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 a lot of it also costs quite a bit. So if there would be yeah. a service in the future where we could do like these cross border transactions in a second with minimal cost, we would definitely use it. But it's not there yet. Hopefully, hopefully soon. Well, it, everything good takes time, right, Rami? As we just said not long ago, we're, we're so early. We're only 14 years into this technology and, and we already kind of got so far, but it will take some time to kind of further grow and, and, and scale the, the, the technology to, to different use cases. But my, my question that I wanted to ask, this, this white-level solution service, would, would this be only exclusive for the Middle Eastern clients or this is kind of an international thing that any region could adopt? That's a great question. Uh, it's it's basically clo- globally available. So any any company, any startup, uh, any organization anywhere in, in the world that that would have interest in in launching a you know si- similar service to what what Swan is in the US or Relay is in in Europe. Yeah, yeah. You know, similar service, simple simpler one. So obviously, it's, it's kind of a you know focuses on the core features, like not, not a lot of bells and whistles, but the core features are there. Just call us, contact us, and, and we'll be happy to talk. And uh, we already have some good discussions ongoing with that. More news about that in, 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 in the future, I hope. But yeah, definitely, it, it's available. It's, it's there. We're happy to, to kind of uh, set the information about it. And if somebody wants to use it, we are quite flexible on, on the terms. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I mean, I, 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 I just wish you best of luck with it. Because, I mean, if, if we all do our deed, then kind of with all of our joint efforts, kind of this adoption will be will be streamlined and, and come much closer and and, and faster than, than we all expect and uh, once again I'm, I mean you guys are doing an amazing work and and, and I truly hope um, all, all the best of success with 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 your ventures so let's now kind of shift um, our discussion a little bit to to you having your background in sociology and, and that's a topic that I'm very interested as well in um, how do you Rami uh, per- perceive the 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 so to so to say that the social impact of Bitcoin, both in the Middle East and globally. Well, that's a great question, and obviously <laughs> a pretty pretty big <laughs> team, big topic. Yeah. Um, I'd say my my best best thing that I got from studying sociology, so, social psychology, and economics, and, and 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 these these subjects in in university was to to have like a you know, not, not not kind of accepting, uh, uh, you know, things on the surface level and always be interested on, like, what's happening behind behind the scenes. And uh, and that has helped me in my kind of, a, a, let's say, surprising career as a tech entrepreneur after after these kind of studies uh, by, by kind of maybe picking up on trends uh, a little bit before other people people see them. And, uh, and also as being part of these hype cycles. So I, 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 I was part in the mobile technology startups when, when we had this huge boom in the early 2000s and a huge crash in the, uh, right, right after that. Uh, so yeah. I've seen already that, you know, these things, when, when the core idea is, is big enough, uh, it will survive any crash. Like what happened with, with mobile? Like everybody was like, announcing that mobile mobile entertainment is dead around 2002 or something like that and then now it's bigger than ever before like mobile game is probably one of the biggest biggest digital industries in the world so 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 i feel the same way with the with the uh emergence of bitcoin and and the possibilities obviously uh we know how the central banks in the world are 
debasing the currencies at, at a you know mind mind boggling speed, which means that it, <laughs> yeah. so it, it's very hard for ordinary people to kind of uh, uh, have similar lifestyle that, that that their parents had you know uh, based yeah. on their own work because you know price of prices of ha- housing all all kind of uh, important things are are getting higher and higher where they actually should be getting lower and lower as as Jeff Booth's wonderful theory dictates that you know technological advancement should make things cheaper not more expensive but of course we Correct. have this crazy counter counter force of of central banks just printing money like there's no tomorrow uh we are in this crazy situation where you know prices are getting higher and higher so as savings technology i think bitcoin has proven already you know time and time again that if you have a five to ten year perspective uh and, and you know how to you know keep your bitcoin safely and and you don't get like too excited when we go high and or too depressed when we go low. <laughs> then I think it, it's it's a it's a really great savings technology, especially if you do this dollar cost averaging and and really like you know price agnostic buying and and very long term like perspective on on like literally saving for your like retirement or for your kids. I think it has proven so far that it, it's it's working like better than anything else available. And then also. Um, I think that in the remittance industry, uh, there's a lot of people in Middle East that are from other countries working there and then sending money, money to their families. And, and right now, maybe using Western Union or, or, or similar services, quite expensive, uh, quite uh, a lot of, lot of friction there. So I really hope that services like Strike and uh, uh, other ones similar are succeeding and, and growing their businesses and, and bringing those services for, for people in those markets as well. And I'm sure there's going to be some local companies working on this as well. And uh, yeah, uh, I think it's only, only, only positive uh, developments uh, uh, in the long run. Obviously, there is a big, big uh, um, thing to be so- sold with the, with the kind of... Uh, the countries in the Middle East are very, uh, like, led from the top. <laughs> so, like, yeah, there's yeah. Some, some, somebody who makes decisions on the top, and that's, that's it. Uh, and, and then Bitcoin has this kind of completely free, free monetary asset that lives outside of anybody's control. Mm, it's not always the easiest kind of a, <laughs> you know, puzzle to solve. But over time, I think the kind of a power of Bitcoin is is going to keep increasing and and over time you know uh companies people countries will start adopting it one way or or another and uh it's as we all know uh everybody gets bitcoin at the price that they deserve so typically the people <laughs> and and organizations that get in uh early uh if they just stay patient and you know stay stay uh stay alive or they typically will benefit. We'll see what's going to happen. I mean, now we have a couple of bets in the corporate side. We have Mr. Sailor's bet, and then on the on the let's say international country level, we have El Salvador's bet. Uh, right now, yeah. it's actually if today's snapshot, it's looking pretty good for for both of these these <laughs> projects. But only time will tell. Again, I think over time, uh, uh, every 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 country will have to have some kind of a, a constructive constructive approach to bitcoin and uh and uh in the meanwhile our job as bitcoiners is just to work work on the education uh 
making more people to study Bitcoin. And then uh, the better tools we have, the more fun we make it to learn about Bitcoin, uh, then you know, I think we have chances of having, more having a more peaceful. Exactly, a more peaceful transition. Because yeah. ultimately, most of the kind of fiat-based systems will fail ultimately. I mean, they've always failed, so they will fail at some point. So hopefully... <laughs> They will fail slowly while Bitcoin grows kind of relatively fast at the same time and not like complete crash and then everybody has to use Bitcoin and then it's going to be a more messy situation. So I'd rather have the more peaceful transition than the messy one, but we'll see. In the meanwhile, we do everything to kind of educate people in, in any, any medium we can. Some people do podcasts, some write books, some write punk songs, <laughs> some do rap. We all do what we can to kind of spread the message, you know? It is. No, I, I agree. Kind of the, the job is really, as you mentioned, kind of the two key factors of educating people, but more than educating, building platforms that are, you know, have user friendly interfaces that are fun to use, where it's not like you need a, a computer science degree to, to sign a transaction. Uh, basically, if we want the average Joe to be using it, we need to make it extra simple. And, um, you know, as far as I know, there's plenty of companies around the world in Europe and in North America and Asia that, that are building these platforms. So, as you said, time will tell um, when when this mass adoption and, and Bitcoin hyperization will kick in. But going back to kind of the topic of, of Middle East, and as you said, kind of countries will have to adopt it. Um, just recently, these last couple of days, I'm sure it came across your radar. Um, the, the Qatari sovereign wealth fund, they're also now um, kind of, they've been slowly orange peeled and they're looking to build up a, a quite a significant, we're talking in the hundreds of millions position on, on Bitcoin. Um, and I guess it, you know, it, it, it's a small circle in, in the Middle East where, you know, kind of the people at the peak, they're, they're all interlinked and it only takes one or two players to really kind of get the idea, start, you know, allocating Bitcoin on their, on their balance sheets. And then kind of I really see it spreading through through the whole of Middle East, um, which, which would be incredible because I think governments for a long time and may that be huge governments such as China and, and US and Russia, they've been kind of opposed to the idea of Bitcoin, you know, really given control uh, back to the people as, you know, these governments are to a certain extent pretty authoritarian and, and they like the full control and, you know, be, being, the, being the, 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 the main players of the game. But I think with time now, it's been 14 years, they're realizing that this is not, not, not something they can suppress and sooner or later they're going to have to adopt it. And, and I, I, I truly believe that in the next year, 2024 and, and beyond 25, um, we will really see a lot of not just emerging countries, but established countries really taking it seriously and maybe not using it for payments, but kind of replacing it or at least diluting their gold holdings and keeping Bitcoin as a reserve asset instead of a reserve currency, where then later, you know, if they want to do their CBDC sham or whatnot, they can still have it pegged to something that's real and, and essentially the hardest money that's ever been invented. But I want to go now back to Another point of remittance payments, which which you talked about, um, Rami, and, and I mean, remittance payments are huge, especially in, like in, in Asian countries, which I'm sure you're aware of, kind of people that go abroad to, to Europe, to the US and kind of work hard jobs and, and send money back through kind of traditional institutions, may that be Western Union or, or, or whatnot. Um, it, it's really a tedious job. They, they take huge percentage cuts. And these people are already kind of making on the lower end of income <clears throat> and then they need to part way with 10, 15% transfer fees, uh, which is just crazy in, in kind of the digital world that we live in. So in your opinion, Rami, how can 
Bitcoin contribute to financial inclusion, and especially in regions where kind of traditional banking infrastructure may be limited? Well, I think it, it can do 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 so much. Uh, obviously, uh, for people who don't have a lot of wealth to to save, uh, the instant payment uh, features that that Bitcoin um, allows, especially in this like what what I call the strike use case, where you have you know fiat to fiat payments, but the the way that the, the value yeah. is transferred is is using Lightning Network. I think that the only thing standing standing uh, on its way is is just that people don't know about it yet, or the service is not available in, in as many places yet as it should be. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, it's a great way to to kind of uh, bring millions of people to to really feel the benefits of Bitcoin without even knowing that they're using Bitcoin uh, when they can send you know their hard-earned hundred dollars to their family in the Philippines and and the family gets it instantly. They don't have to walk into some Western Union. Yeah, place where yeah. there's you know even a chance to get robbed or something like that it just ping sure. comes to your phone uh, it's there and it's maybe you know you've got 99.99 dollars out of the hundred <laughs> so i think it's it's such a wonderful use case and, and 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 that will then bring bring in people into the kind of ecosystem and over time maybe some of these people are able to put some of those uh, uh money into bitcoin and then save it for the long term but again, we have to, as, as coming from the Western world, realize that most people don't have a lot of money to, to kind of save. But uh, uh, bringing them into the Bitcoin ecosystem in this way that really helps them, I think is a great thing. And I think Jack, Jack Mullers is having a great mission there. And other companies like uh, Neutron, Bay, uh, Neutron Pay in, in uh, Canada, Vietnam is doing a great job there as well. So I think it's, it's really exciting. I'm really supportive of this, this way of using Bitcoin. Yeah, no, but I want to I wanna kind of touch upon what you mentioned, kind of, especially younger generations in, in the Western world, which you mentioned, they, they don't have that money. They don't have much money, essentially, at all. And, and when it comes to savings, they're, they're, they're virtually kind of none, because, as you said, with the more that the governments print the fiat, the less the currency gets devalued. So actually, it's, it's a double-edged sword where if you have a little bit of money, then it's even greater kind of incentive to be saving as you know as much as possible in bitcoin which actually grows in value and preserves the the little wealth that you have opposed to you know having it just being drained every day and and having your purchasing power diminished by by the crazy radical actions that, that the governments around the world especially in the in the western uh worlds are doing so i think you know with with with, with saving in bitcoin and also more than just saving you know, people nowadays, especially younger generations, which are kind of living this nomad lifestyle, they can start selling their services directly for Bitcoin so they can fully bypass the, the traditional legacy industries and, and banking, which actually, you know, I, I really oppose this draconian KYC and AML uh, systems that they're kind of scaling more where you need to prove everything to some banker, provide all these documents it's uh, it's it's really crazy, and, and and a lot of people, not that they're doing illegal stuff, but they they simply value their privacy, and, and they don't want to be given all this information away. And, and now with Bitcoin, you know, all it takes is to download your your wallet, have a hot wallet on your phone, top it up with some Bitcoin, the the larger amounts withdraw it to your cold storage, and and then essentially just just use it in your own circular economy, and not depend on any third party approving or freezing your transaction or kind of needing to declare why you're sending 
you know, money to person X. Um, so it really opens up kind of the, the horizon and, and the financial freedom, which I think to a largest extent, the reason humanity at the moment is kind of enslaved in this in this fiat system is due to money controls and kind of the governments and, and central bankers having this say on who, where you can spend your money, who you can send it to. And, and this kind of diminishes their game by by having an option which is, as you said, effortless and, and, and sensor resistant, which I think is one of the main kind of selling points, at least for me with, with Bitcoin in emerging and developed um, countries. But on the topic of kind of reshaping the, the, the global kind of business field, how do you think, how, well, essentially, how do you see, Rami, Bitcoin playing a role in, in a broader digital transformation efforts? And, and what potential does it hold to reshaping traditional business models as, as we have today? Well, I think there's uh, we're very much in the in the early 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 days of of of, uh, of this, and I'd say I've had discussions with some pre- pretty prominent people, let's say in Saudi Arabia, uh, who are interested in the digital asset space, and uh, they have a lot of temptation from these blockchain <laughs> blockchain entrepreneurs that are are giving them ideas that they should do their own tokens and all the, all these kind of things uh, and I'm always telling them that you should really 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 focus only only on bitcoin and 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 with you know you don't have to view it as bitcoin you can view it as satoshis and like there's 100 million satoshis in every bitcoin so if you want to do some kind of a, a service where people are sending value or getting rewarded for for do certain behavior Satoshis are the best best way to do it because you know you have a not only a system that is has already found for complete product market fit, uh, but it's also like if you build something on on Bitcoin and Lightning, especially Lightning, uh, it's gonna develop. You know, even if you go on, on holiday, you know, there's somebody developing yeah. Lightning network somewhere. So, so it's much better way to kind of uh, create future proof business concepts if you base them on on Bitcoin and Lightning rather than you know, your own shitcoin, or some, <laughs> some 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 crazy 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 uh, scam that can disappear. Like you know, tomorrow it might be gone. So so again, I think we, we, there's lots of interesting thing. Like every time I have a discussion where where this kind of a tokenizing something or rewarding people with tokens is 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 is, is being discussed, I just always bring up that if first think ten times before you want to do it because in most cases it doesn't make sense. If you want to do it, then look into Bitcoin. That's probably the best way to, way, way to go about it. And then our company, Ovan, is happy to help if you want to go to that route. But yeah, I, I yeah. see there's a lot, lot, of, lot of cool things happening. Uh, also, they, they do have these uh, uh, like special economic zones that they're building where they might have more like uh, room for explore, experimentation and so on. So I, I'm very, very excited on, on, on the next couple of years what's going to happen there. Amazing, yeah. <clears throat> just, just to add on, on that point, um, I'm, I'm of the same nature as, as with you, Rami. When when people over the years have you know asked me for my advice on launching their own token for for their business or whatnot, I I've always tried to steer them away from the fact that like why create your own you know magical internet money when you can use the actual real magic internet money, which which everybody essentially uses that's in within the ecosystem and kind of adopting Bitcoin in, into your business, you suddenly open up your business to borderless society where any Bitcoiner anywhere, as you mentioned, may they be in El Salvador, may they be in Vietnam, in Fiji or even Cuba, 
they can transact with you and, and you know, you, you can have a truly global customer base, which is not possible with any other currency because, once again, the FX comes into play and you've got the foreign exchanges and change this and the value is constantly fluctuating. Um, so, so, so it's interesting on, on that basis. And just to add kind of one argument, and I'm sure you got this as well, Rami, from, from people that, that you share this kind of tips with, they say, oh, yeah, but Bitcoin is only limited to 21 million units. And then my straight up question is, well, how many units are there in a single Bitcoin? And I would say, well, I haven't met a single person that I've been talking about this where they go, oh, there's 100 million sats. And then when I tell them the answer, they're kind of, you know, the, the pupils widen. And then I even take it a step further and I go, well, if you multiply 100 million by 21 million, you get 2.1 quadrillion. And I go, that's a lot of zeros, right? You could definitely sustain your business, even a, a, a whole country, as we're seeing with El Salvador slowly, you know, having a, a Bitcoin standard where you can transact everything in sats. Um, and yeah, if we look at the grand scale of things, I mean, all of the, wor- all of the world's kind of net worth if, if you may say so, is, is, is under a quadrillion dollars. It's somewhere in the region of 900 trillion uh, or whatnot. And if we look at Bitcoin being 2.1 trillion, I mean, there's no problem with it, you know, facilitating all of these things. So I guess once again, it, it delves back to the point of educating and, and people really learning for themselves what this is and not just thinking, you know, it's a speculative interest, uh, speculative um, instrument that goes up and down in value. But there's actually a, a really good use case that we can apply to, I would say, the majority of, of businesses that we have today. 100%. And I think uh, somebody once said this great, great, uh, great uh, uh, sentence that uh, Bitcoin is not a get-rich-quick technology. It's not get-poor-slowly yeah. technology. And I think it's, <laughs> nice. it's such a, such a good, 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 way, good way of putting it. Uh, so, and, and that's why the kind of... Um, long-term thinking that you know, the, the cool thing about getting into the Bitcoin culture and kind of uh, uh, getting into the philosophy behind it, uh, it, it completely kind of changes the way you look at the world around you. Uh, you start thinking long-term, you're like, you start thinking about saving, you start thinking about your health, what you eat, uh, you start thinking what I'm going to you know how 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 does this project that I'm thinking of how how does it look like in ten years? You start thinking about in in completely different t- timescales, whereas whereas in the good old fiat world, it's almost like get me this thing right now. And sometimes I <laughs> laugh when um, I've had some people from the fans of my main band Fumble, which is like more generic, like a punk punk rock band. Uh, some of the fans of that band have been like, "Oh, why are you singing about the Bitcoin? Isn't that just like some money?" money that boils the, like some digital thing that boils the oceans and and all the criminals <laughs> you know they had the kind of a new york times version of the truth propaganda uh so exactly exactly but i just kind of laugh like as a joke i i sometimes tell them that hey think about the music culture today like everybody loves rappers who are singing about like short short term thinking, you know, spending your fiat money to buy like you know oh. Lamborghinis chains and, and, <laughs> and gold chains exactly and, and whatever. Whereas like if if I do punk rock songs about like long term thinking and and saving your Bitcoin, <laughs> and how is that how is not that okay? Yeah. Like if, if so, it's 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 really funny. But obviously, people are we are all so kind of. Uh, indoctrinated on 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 how we were taught in school and university and by the mainstream media how the world works that bitcoin is it's a 
it's a crazy kind of a journey in like un- unlocking and unlearning so many things that you not like being like ingested with. So it's not easy. That's why I have like big sympathy to anybody who doesn't understand Bitcoin yet. It's 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 hard, but but it's better yeah. to start studying Bitcoin today. And uh, and you know, there's such. I mean, today there couldn't be better resources. You know, all the great podcasts, all the great books. Uh, and and if if you if your way of like uh, and getting information is to listen to like some high energy punk rock, then you can listen to my songs. And if if uh, if if you get some ideas there, then that might help as well. But anyways, it's 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 a really fun fun puzzle for us all of us to solve on how how do we get this message out there as quickly as possible in a positive way. Yeah, well, Rami, I I couldn't agree more. You you said it perfectly, and and kind of to 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 sum up. What what you said that the famous quote you don't change Bitcoin Bitcoin changes you and and kind of when when people really understand that then kind of it doesn't just change your perspective and your horizon of money but everything of just as you said and and you you mentioned Jeff Jeff Booths which I've been recommending for many episodes now that the price of tomorrow for everybody out to to go and read it and kind of have a long term perspective on saving instead of you know buying everything today and not knowing how you're gonna pay your bills tomorrow. Um, and it, it just overall makes you a, a, a better person of, of society, you know, a, a better father, a better husband, a better business partner, just a better person in society, which I think is really needed because the way the world is and the way things are happening and so much hatred and wars and everything, it's it's really not a healthy and, and, and kind of uh, a prosperous society that, that's around us. And, and kind of Bitcoin is really this messiah that's come out the digital realm and, and is really trying to, to shape and, and change the world for the better. But as you mentioned, it's it's not easy. It's hard to re- relearn everything and kind of forget everything your your parents and, and teachers said in school. And kind of you, when you come to the realization that most things were a lie, uh, it could also be depressive for some people kind of like, what am I doing in this world, you know? But then thankfully, Bitcoin is your kind of your, your rope out of the ditch and, and kind of once you jump that hurdle, well, then life takes a whole different meaning and, and, and everything actually becomes much more valuable to you and, and, and you really cherish your time with your kids, you know, with your partner, with, with everything that you do in life. I've, I've come to a realization with all the Bitcoiners that, that I've encountered over the years, kind of post, call it Bitcoin, um, enlightenment their lives have transformed for the better may that be you know they, they lost a lot of weight and you know they're regular gym people or or just generally they, they try to help um, other people you know get, get get to their frequency which which I think is super important and that's kind of the big differentiation between altcoins which I don't really like talking about but I think this is a good example to mention where in the altcoin space everybody's just looking for personal greed how much you know how how can they pump the next token and dump it on, on the next retailer that comes in? And, and with Bitcoin, we're kind of on, on the opposite side of the spectrum where we want to help people get on board and support each other and, you know, and, and grow as a community and, and a general human race, not just, you know, nationalism. My country is better than yours, but, you know, we're, we're all human. We're all here to, to live the best lives that we can. And life is super short, so we might as well enjoy it and, and, and kind of get the joy of helping other people instead of, robbing other people which our legacy system is built upon kind of somebody wins somebody loses but that as we can see around us doesn't bring anything good 100 percent couldn't agree more and and the beauty of bitcoin is that that 
even when a if a billionaire billionaire somewhere buys more bitcoin than you know the the street vendor in in africa uh their bitcoin you know is is on the same boat with them so it's yeah. like everybody's in the same boat it, it's amazing like people don't realize how big thing it is that you have this incredible financial asset that is completely open for everybody and and like it it doesn't judge you in any way there's no no like you have no to membership belong fees. to certain <laughs> exactly you don't have to be some kind of ivy ivy league person to be able to use it no if you're a human and you have an internet connected device you can use it end of story i think it's so great i think it's it's so sure. it's so good for 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 humanity gives me a lot of hope for 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 my kids and 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 for the future i mean if if we wouldn't have i mean the problem with like we used to have uh like the occupy wall street movement back in the day uh, actually when i was in 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 san francisco that was like the you know the tail 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 end of of that movement and i was so sympathetic on the kind of message that like you know the cartels the banks the big companies are ruining everything for the normal people and you know, they were so right with that but at the same time there were no like actionable solutions like like what is the actual yeah. tool you're going to use to get that done it, it can't be that like uh, elizabeth warren solution that like let's just do more regulations and rules <laughs> and let give more power to the government typically doesn't 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 uh, uh, end up well uh, but then Bitcoin is just an open source tool. It's it's there. You can use it if you want. If you don't want to use it, you know, it will go on anyways. And uh, it's just such a great actionable tool. And I think that's very punk rock. And that's why it's natural for me with this higher law project to make, you know, punk, punk rock music about Bitcoin culture. Because I think Bitcoin is, it's punk rock. <laughs> of course, it's it's your second nature. And, and that must be a beautiful thing, kind of intertwining and joining two things that you really love music with bitcoin i mean it, it, it truly is your utopia which i hope every person listening to this podcast really finds for themselves um rami let, let's kind of close it up with 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 one of the uh, final questions um that, that i ask all of our our guests uh beloved that have come on the podcast what is one piece of advice that you would like to give to our audience who might still be on the sidelines of adopting bitcoin which hopefully by this episode 31, they should be having some sats. But as we said, it's, it's hard to kind of <laughs> adopt it. And let, let, let's see what, what, what wisdom you would share with on, on, on that subject. I would uh, study Bitcoin. I think probably that, that by default, reading Seyfedin's uh, Bitcoin standard probably will be a good idea for most, most people. And if that's too much of a commitment and, and uh, too big of a book, uh, then I would probably recommend uh, reading uh, the bullish case for Bitcoin, like the original article, which is, is relatively short. Uh, just go to these classic, you know, like orange pill, <laughs> orange peeling, peeling uh, uh, media. Library of the and, sec and section. <laughs> exactly. And there's so many good ones right now. And if, if that's too much for you, then you can listen to like uh, uh, Robert Breedlove's uh, episodes with Michael Saylor are, are great, like the, the beginning of his, yeah. his What is Money show. Agree more. And, and also, uh, I think uh, Peter McCormack has a pretty good beginner's guide in, in, his, in his material and stuff. I mean, there's so many easy ways to get, get, get you know, on the path of, of wanting to learn more. You know, the whole, it all comes down to what we... What, we, what people call in product development is intrinsic motivation. Like you, you can motivate people by saying that like, you know, do this or, or, or I'll, I'll hit you in the face. 
that's one way of motivating <laughs> people, but it's much better better to motivate people when they, they want to do something by themselves. And, and that's why I think every person is different. Some people like movies, some people like books, some people like music, some people like rap, some people like, you know, classic classical music, you know, for that's why our job as a community of Bitcoiners is to create like catchy content in all of these formats so that anybody can find like their favorite favorite way of of getting the first first kind of a you know that that spark that then leads you into wanting to learn more by yourself yeah could, could couldn't agree more those are some some wise advice that that you shared with with us uh, Rami um, I guess the last question would be where can we send our listeners to to follow your journey and, and get in touch with you what, what would be the best ways Okay, so for my music stuff, it's uh, at the higher low. So just one word, at the higher low. So on X and and uh, Instagram, YouTube, you can find me with that one. Uh, then my personal uh, Twitter or X is uh, at Rami Korhonen. So just my first name, last name, one word. And then my company, Oivan, is uh, Oivan, at Oivan Group and uh find it on linkedin as well o-i-b-a-n oivan so that's me thank you so much for having me amazing i'll i'll, I'll link all those uh, things in in the show notes so, so people can find it easily and yeah rami i'd like to thank you um again so much for taking the time and, and coming on and it's been a pleasure meeting you at uh, this 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 year's october conference in uh, bitcoin conference amsterdam and i'm really happy we, we got you on the podcast i i wish you um, all the best of luck with, uh, with with your musical journey and, of course, with Oivan and, and all the great things that you guys are building. And I'm sure we'll have you back in the future because our Bitcoin story is only getting started and there's a lot more to happen. So once again, thank you so much, Rami, for, for being uh, on the show today. Thank you so much. Uh, it, was, it was awesome and good luck with everything. And I hope to speak with you soon again. Thank you so much.